Okay, I'm sure I don't need to tell you this, but last week was the finals of the CrossFit Games. I know you already watched it. Weren't you so excited that they moved the broadcast to ESPN this year? It is just not the same when it's on YouTube. It's so much easier. Right, I totally agree. The reason CrossFit people love to talk about CrossFit, okay, there's lots of them, but one of them is, it is people doing the impossible. It just doesn't seem like it can be done. So for example, one of the workouts I watched, these people climbed a rope and did that a couple of times. Then they would go over to kettlebells, these heavy weighted things. They'd lift them up from the ground to their shoulders over and over again. And when they finished however many of them they were supposed to do, they put the kettlebells on a sled, pushed the sled to a new set of kettlebells. Then they had to run back and climb the rope again. Then they ran back to the kettlebells, lifted them up and down and up and down, put them on the sled, pushed them to a new spot, ran back to the rope, up and down, up and down, back to the kettlebells, up and down, up and down on the sled. When they finished the workout, the sled weighed like 500 some odd pounds. 500 pound shopping cart, fundamentally, only no wheels. And they're pushing it across the grass of the stadium. And you're thinking, this is not a possible thing to have happen. We've come in our series to Exodus to the impossible actually happening. We've come to Passover. It's one of Israel's core stories within the defining narrative of the Exodus. It's the ultimate story. Within the identity shaping experiences of the Exodus, this is the ultimate identity clarifying, identity claiming, identity marking one. This is the time that God finally breaks through against all odds to free them from Pharaoh's grip and the oppression of the empire. And it starts in Exodus 12, 12 to 13 for us, where God says, I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt for I am Yahweh. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live. When I see the blood, I will pass over you and no plague shall destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. The blood shall be a sign for you. The blood's a sign for them, not for Yahweh. Yahweh doesn't need the blood sign. They've already seen that Yahweh can leave the slave camps of Goshen out of the effects of the plagues. God doesn't need to know for sure who's in. It's a sign for the people. A few weeks back, Curtis talked about a strange story in the book of Exodus where God tries, quote unquote, to kill Moses. God must not have been trying very hard, he reminds us. Nevertheless, there was some sort of eminent danger. And Moses' wife saves him by circumcising their son and then touching Moses with the foreskin. I know, it's a weird story. The Bible's got weird stories. It seems, though, that within this situation, the problem God had with Moses was that he had not been circumcised. And the reason that's a problem is it means that Moses had not participated in the thing that marked his identity as a Hebrew. Of all the different identities Moses has and could claim, this one he had not leaned into. It was murky still. Moses had met and heard from God but he hadn't responded with full allegiance. It's really similar as an experience for the Hebrews now. They've been reintroduced to Yahweh, and this is their first participation in their freedom story. And it's time for them to fully opt in as Yahweh's people, time to fully claim their identity and choose their allegiance. The blood shall be a sign for you. 
They've been Hebrews, a slur. And this is the chance to get clear. To be Hebrew is to be the beloved firstborn son of Yahweh God, who will judge the gods of Egypt for their evil and oppression. Sometimes our identity gets murky because others who have no right want to define it. And we believe them. Jumping to Exodus 12, 26. Your children will ask, what does the ceremony mean? And you will reply, it is the Passover sacrifice to Yahweh. For they passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt. And though they struck the Egyptians, they spared our families. God struck and God spared. Those of us with privilege struggle to read Exodus well in part because we are so highly conditioned by the myth of the innocent empire. The myth of the innocent empire. We think you can align with Egypt and maintain your innocence, even as you benefit from its oppression. But perhaps there are things worse than death, like being denied life over and over again because the powerful say you don't deserve it. God struck down the powerful. God spared the oppressed. And it seems that there was at least an option for anyone else who would like to opt in to do so. The Hebrews are not an ethnic group. They're a mixed multitude. It's a class ranking more than it is a single ethnic identity at this point. And this sign is available for anyone who would like to participate. In fact, in verse 48, God says, if there's foreigners living among you who want to celebrate the Lord's Passover, let all the males be circumcised, and then they may celebrate with you like any native-born Israelite. No uncircumcised male may ever eat Passover. This instruction applies to everyone, whether a native-born Israelite or a foreigner living among you. This instruction applies to everyone. It's open to anyone willing to be Israel and to acknowledge Yahweh God. But you see what this would mean for an Egyptian? This challenges their identity in a massive way. It's an all-in shift for them. It's so much more than, oh, I've changed my mind about what I believe about the gods. Sometimes our identity gets challenged, especially if we've gotten comfortable in Egypt. Jumping to chapter 13 now, starting at verse 3. Remember this day on which you came out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, because Yahweh brought you out from there by strength of hand. No leavened bread shall be eaten. When Yahweh brings you to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, which he swore to your ancestors to give you a land flowing with milk and honey, you shall keep this observance in this month. Verse 8. You shall tell your child on that day, it is because of what Yahweh did for me when I came out of Egypt. It shall serve for you as a sign on your hand and a reminder on your forehead so that the teaching of Yahweh may be on your lips. For with a strong hand, Yahweh brought you out of Egypt. It shall serve for you as a sign on your hand and as a reminder. The Passover becomes the first meal festival for the people. It commemorates and it educates about what God did, yes, and also about who they are. For every generation, for children, for those new to the community, this is the way they remember and they learn that we were slaves but now we're free. We were Hebrews rejected by Egypt. Now Hebrews are Yahweh's own child. We were under Pharaoh's power, but now 
were redeemed. It is because of what Yahweh did for me when I came out of Egypt. There's going to be a time in the not too distant future when the people eating together will know nothing of Egypt themselves. And still they say what Yahweh did for me when I came out of Egypt. Every festival thereafter, they tell the story in the first person, no matter how many generations have gone by. Sometimes we need signs and reminders about our identity because we can get disconnected from our story. The first generation puts blood upon their door, eats a meal hastily prepared, leaves a land in the dead of night. It isn't just something that happened to them. It's something they did to become who they are. Have you ever heard people talk about sense memories? Like the way a smell just transports you to a place or a meal? This is that kind of meal. You will never taste this food and not think of this experience. Sometimes our identity gets murky because others who have no right want to define it, and we believe them. Sometimes our identity gets challenged, especially if we've gotten comfortable in Egypt. Sometimes we need signs and reminders about our identity because we can get disconnected from our story. The blood will be a sign for you. We need to clarify who we are, and we need to claim it. How? On Passover and every festival thereafter, they eat their way to who they are. As just an interesting aside, one of the things that comes with this Passover festival is it becomes the first month of the year. From now on, their calendar begins with Freedom Month and this festival. The thing about the Passover is it is the kind of remembrance that's also resistance. There are forces that would form them and us into not Passover humanity. But over and over, God will ask the people to live in certain ways because they used to be slaves. He'll say, treat the foreigner among you because you used to be a foreigner in Egypt. Welcome people in because you used to be unwelcome aliens in Egypt. It is their motivation for living distinctly to not take the way they were oppressed and then become oppressors themselves, but rather to let their oppression and their suffering inspire greater generosity and justice. And so they tell the story to live a better story, to resist the power that brought them so much suffering and instead live like the redeemed. Redeemed is the main word for what God does for the people in this story. It's economic. God bought them back. The Passover is when they keep in touch with a difficult past so that their present can be marked by wonder and gratitude. Now the time comes when there's another sign for us, another identity clarifying, identity claiming meal for us. If we accept our seat at the table, receive the bread and wine from the one who's hosting us. And of course, as we eat, we never just eat, we tell stories. And we practice resisting the forces that would have us live as anything other than the redeemed. At Passover, at communion, we step our way into our identity. We eat our way to who we are. We commemorate and educate and resist any force that would have us be otherwise. And we tell stories. When we were together live, we each had a blank name tag. And we took a few minutes to simply consider what is it that we need from God when it comes to our identity today. Do we need it clarified in some way? 
defined by God and not others? Does our identity need to be challenged in a potentially healthy way by God? Do we need to reconnect ourselves to our story? And so we wrote it on a name tag, that simple rectangle that reminds us of something really important about who we are. And if you have a minute, I'd invite you to consider the same. In what way does your identity need to be clarified or challenged or connected back to your story today? May God lead you to who you really are. May God lead us to be the people we really are in love. Amen.